What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you talking golf. And uh, as we mentioned last week, the golf season is kind of really getting kicked into high gear at this point. Uh, once we get to February, we start to get some big tournaments. The uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open next week is always a treat. Uh, and we start to see some bigger prize pools as well with, uh, with football winding down. And all we've got is the Pro Bowl this week. Uh, which is, uh, you know, never the most exciting game to watch. So we'll probably have more eyes on uh, on golf, and uh, that means maybe some softer contests and some bigger prizes. So uh, happy to be breaking down the upcoming tournament with you, uh, as we always do. I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. I've got Mr. Notorious Derek Farnsworth alongside me. And uh, we had quite the sweat last week at Torrey Pines, Noto. And the last, uh, if we could rewind maybe the last um, 90 minutes of the tournament, maybe uh, we could, you know, do that over again. Yeah, a lot of money was lost there in the last, uh, you know, 90 minutes or so. We could probably spend, you know, a full 45 minutes breaking down everything that went wrong for us. But nobody wants to watch that. Uh, everyone has bad breaks. Uh, but Torrey Pines, man, every, every year uh, provides a great leaderboard, provides a great finish on 18. Uh, I didn't really know who to root for there in the playoff. You know, you had the Zalatoris outright, so I was kind of rooting for you. I had him in showdown as well. Uh, but Luke Liss, I mean, we've been playing him for years and years. He's kind of the captain of Team No Putt, uh, which we like mm -hmm. to to use quite often. So, I mean, I, it was it was good either way. Um, but at the end of the day, man, Zalatoris had so many chances. I think he parred every hole on his back nine. Just couldn't get any putts to drop, and, you know, that's kind of been – the story of his career thus far, but a uh, great tournament. I had a blast watching the end of it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And even on Saturday, which is the round where Zal Torres went nuts, he missed a couple short putts too that uh, could have been an even better round. So you think, you know, maybe just one or two more of those falls and uh, and, and who knows, but uh, it was a tough finish for him. Uh, did hedge the bet uh, when the tournament went into playoffs. So I didn't, uh, you know, lose out completely on that, but uh, would have liked to uh, wrote up Zalatoris on scores and odds as the outright pick and uh, would have loved to see that hit at uh, 25 to one. So alas, that's golf. That's part of the beauty of it. That uh, 72 holes can come down to one putt on Sunday and uh, Willie Z just barely missed his chance. And now he's got COVID and he's out. So it's been a rough couple of days for him, uh, not closing out the tournament and then getting COVID and not being able to play this week. So uh, it's tough for Willie Z, but uh, he'll he'll be fine. He'll get his wins uh, sooner or later. As for uh, the the other guys last week, I mean, we went into Sunday. There was like 15 guys within a few strokes of the lead, so that leaderboard was constantly shifting. Uh, Jason Day made a hole out eagle to get back tied for the lead, and then made a couple bogeys to to fall back. But uh, I, I kind of teased you on the show last week about going after all the veterans. And then uh, lo and behold, Jason Day and Justin Rose are both there on the leaderboard uh, come Sunday as well. So it was nice to see some of the uh, the old guard get back in the mix. And uh, and there'll be guys we'll talk about this week as well. So uh, what else did you take away from last week? Yeah, I mean, I was on Rose last week, but uh, I wasn't ready to play Day. I mean, just reading some of his transcripts. I mean, he was just excited to walk the course again. Uh, and I'll get to some of his quotes here, uh, you know, in a few minutes about, you know, his expectations. They've changed quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, it's weird. I mean, Zal Torres gained 15 pounds uh, from what the announcer said. And it he sounds did. Like he, didn't look like <laughs> maybe just, uh, you know, thin muscle. I mean, he's a he's a thin dude um, and he gained 15 uh, yards off his drives, too. So um, that's something to worth monitor monitoring going forward. 
Uh, did you see Jason Day's kid um, on 18? Little I did. Dash. I did. Oh, my goodness. I've never <laughs> felt so old. Uh, he's like a teenager now, like a fully grown kid. Um, he was like the cutest old kid. You know, I feel, it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it must have been uh, a long time ago. And then uh, the other thing I want to mention, I mean, Lucas and, and Zalatoris in the playoff, they hit their drives to two inches apart. Spot. I mean, what are the odds? It's just wild. And then pretty much at the same layup shot too. Um, that was pretty crazy, but, uh, yeah. What, what were your other takeaways? I wish they would have taken the same third shot too. Uh, we go, uh, back on it, but, uh, alas, uh, <laughs> Zalatoris would have missed that six Z- inch. <laughs> Zalatoris couldn't match the approach to eight inches or whatever it was from Luke list, uh, which was pretty incredible, uh, stones in the moment there from list, uh, to, to bury that uh, approach to where he couldn't miss the putt. I, I was sure it was going to end with somebody missing a short putt, but uh, good for him to, to hit that approach. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was just the kind of the way that we saw the scoring differential was like three strokes, maybe three and a half strokes the first day between the two courses. And on Friday, the stroke differential was five, maybe a little more than five. Uh, between the north course and the south course so i'm not really sure whether it was a weather thing or just the you know the relative skill of the players in the draw but it did seem like the north course played a little bit easier on the second day uh, and a good majority of players from kind of that side of the draw uh, were the ones that uh, that made the cut but um spieth is another one i mean uh I, i i always you know kind of tend to uh pat myself on the back whenever he struggles but uh I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because this is a, this is a week where, right, this tends to become a wedge competition. So, you know, uh, what we make a speeth after last week at being so terrible. Um, and he was only like two, two, three percent on last week, too. It'll be interesting to see what people do with him this week. Yeah, I mean, that's not usually a place he plays well anyway, um, Tori. So I'm not too worried about it. And I think I heard that that was his first missed cut since last year's Farmers Insurance Open. Which surprised me. Like, he had, it's not like he's been playing all that well. Yeah. I suppose there was I a was few no-cut events in there. And then Tony Finau missing the cut, man. That was brutal Oof. for me. Yeah, that was a shock. He just went full eject mode. He had the Friday draw on the tough course, and uh, it was – yeah, it was all over the place. Went from fifth to like hundred and some, five or six over on that second round. So, when guys on the north course were shooting four or five under, I mean, it's really tough in that tournament to kind of know like where your guys stand if they, especially if they play the harder course the first day. Like yeah. guys that were one over par and everyone's writing them off, but they played the easy course the second day and they were just right in the mix. So, um, Sung J M was another that if he Sung J M kind of blew his round on the north course. Like if Sung JM would have had a good round on the easy course, uh, he would have been right there as well. And it's not like he was too far out of it come Sunday. So that was another takeaway for me. Yeah. Uh, ready to move on. Yeah. To our favorite uh, pro-am three course rotation. Noto loves the pro-ams. If you're not uh, familiar, it's uh, Pebble Beach, three another three course rotation. We finally start to come out of that stretch after this week uh, with, the, with the multiple courses. And this is the last of the pro-am. So, uh, we'll uh, we'll deal with it for one more week, and then uh, and then we'll move on to the waste management. But uh, as Noto mentioned, three courses in the mix again this week uh, for the Pebble Beach Pro Am. You've got uh, Monterey Peninsula, Sp- Spyglass Hill, and then the host course Pebble Beach. Uh, the host course is the most open and tends to be the most exposed to the wind. But the good news is really. From that perspective, they're not expecting much in the way of wind, at least the first three days. So 
uh, tough to, to determine a weather benefit from the draw as of right now. And uh, why don't you tell the people a little bit more about the courses we got this week? Yeah, so Pebble and uh, Spyglass are going to be the toughest, too. Um, and they play fairly difficult, uh, especially if the wind's up, like you mentioned. Doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of wind in the forecast this week. Even on Sunday, it originally looked like it was going to be in the teens. I checked a couple hours ago, and it looked like it was going to be less than 10 miles per hour. So uh, if there's not a lot of wind, you know, it should be fairly easy scoring. Uh, Monterey is going to be the easiest by far. If you are playing showdown, it makes a lot of sense to stack that uh, course each of the first three days. Um, and I believe the cut is going to be top 60 in ties. Um, so it's going to be the smallest percentage of guys getting through the cut, you know, depending on ties. But um, going to be a lot of uh, five to six, four to six lineups. So if you get a six to six, you'll probably be looking pretty good heading into Sunday. Uh, as far as the courses go, um, they all have four par fives. They're all less than 7,100 yards. They all have POA greens. Um, and so that's kind of the similarities. Um, I do think you want to target guys that are good in California, target guys that are you know comfortable on POA greens. And then distance doesn't matter uh, all that much here. You want to be good with your approaches um, and you want to be good with your wedges, especially. Uh, I think around the green makes some sense too, at least at Pebble. Um, they have the smallest greens on the PGA Tour. It's like 3,000 square feet, which is just tiny. Um, so I think around the green is going to, be a maybe less important than usual if the wind is going to be down but i'm bumping that up a little bit and that's pretty much it for me just targeting guys that uh, play well here because i think i heard the last 17 winners have had a top 16 finish uh in one of their three previous starts here which is kind of crazy uh, you would think somebody would buck that trend and yeah that's about it for me so course history pretty sticky um it's pretty predictive year in and year out and then you just want to target guys that are good with their irons yeah it is uh pretty remarkable how the winners tend to have a good history at this event so definitely noteworthy here and uh also if you're looking to chat along with us during the show we appreciate those of you who are watching us live on youtube and on the roto grinder site uh, you can check out our free Roto Grinders Discord. That's rotogrinders.com backslash discord. Uh, it's free to get in as long as you're a Roto Grinders member. You do not have to be a premium subscriber to access the Discord. We are in the live stream chat channel for the show here tonight. So you can join us there. If you've got questions, we can certainly address them on the air live. And uh, of course, we also appreciate those of you who watch us on playback. Uh, feel free to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up, uh, whatever you can do to uh, support Roto-Grinders. We appreciate it. Uh, and we've also got uh, plenty of good stuff on the Roto-Grinders homepage if you're in New York for the launch of New York sports betting. Uh, points bet is now live in New York. You can use promo code RG2K to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000 on points bet in New York. All right. Um Anything else on the course of the tournament in general? Otherwise, I think we can dive in. I'm pretty much in agreement. Uh, Monterey seems to be the course to target the first few days and showdown. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't seem like we're going to get uh, much of a weather angle to, to try to, you know, break down who's going to benefit from starting on what course. I just don't see that this week. You, you agree there? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, get some stacks of each wave, but uh, I don't know. I don't think you need to force it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe. I mean, last week we saw – you know, if you stacked one wave, it worked out. So I don't think it's a worse strategy, but I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. And uh, the other thing, you know, golfers got to be patient this week. They're going to be playing with the amateurs and it's going to be some very long rounds of golf. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's why Noto loves it. All right, uh, let's go ahead and <laughs> dig in. Uh, we don't have the strongest of fields here. It's a little bit of a shame. I mean, Pebble Beach is an iconic course, a well-known course. Uh, but this tournament with the Pro-Am format, the, the TV coverage generally stinks because of the, you know, sometimes you get celebrities taking over and whatnot. And, uh, and we just don't have the strongest field, especially compared to last week. So you take Zalatoris out of the mix uh, and it, uh, it gets even weaker. We've actually only got three players priced above 10K on DraftKings, which I can't remember. The last time we've only had three active players above 10K. So um, Cantlay, Burger, Spieth, those are your options above 10K this week. And, you know, even Burger and Spieth aren't overly expensive. So I guess that begs the question, do we just prioritize getting as much Cantlay as possible at the top? I think you do. I think you should. Uh, I don't think I'm going to because uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. And I like uh, some of those veterans that we talked about at the top of the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, there seems to be an odd man out here in terms of recent form. You know, Berger's been awesome. Defending champ here. Uh, we've seen him win back-to-back -back events um, in terms of years that the, I think it was the St. Jude. Uh, he won that two years in a row. So maybe he can go back-to-back -back, uh, at this event. Uh, the Iron Game's been awesome. So no issue there. I like the discount that you get, $700 on DraftKings. That does make some some difference at the bottom of your lineups. And then Cantlay, just, I mean, incredible form. Win, fourth, fourth, ninth, his last four starts. Um, I guess one of those was a win, too, at the Tour Championship, but he was fourth in, in strokes gained. And then uh, he's got good course history here, too. He's got an 11th and a third the last two years. Doesn't have a weakness in his game. He's kind of number one in every metric that you look at in my model this week. So, it makes a lot of sense to prioritize those two. Um, and I probably should get more of them. I'll probably just uh, play them in MME because I, I like the balanced approach a little bit better for, for single entry. I just happened to notice as I was looking at the weather for this tournament and went to the weather.com homepage, uh, my worlds are colliding at the moment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big Cardinals fan, obviously. And St. Louis is expecting 10 to 14 inches of snow over the next 24 to 48 hours, which is very rare uh, for, uh, for St. Louis. And here in Northern Illinois, we're supposed to get just a dusting. So we're going to, we're going to dodge the bullet, but uh, St. Louis is, uh, is going to get clobbered. And the winter storm is also called winter storm Landon. And that's my oldest son's name, which is very strange, uh, has absolutely nothing to do with the golf tournament, but I just happened to notice it as, hey, uh, as I was looking for the weather. You say Landon? Yeah, Landon. Oh, that's my first name. Oh, really? And, I had no idea. And my son's first name. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. It's a small world, and uh, the winter storm, well, winter storm Landon, is going to uh, wreak havoc on the Midwest. So, if you are in the path of the mega winter storm, which appears like it's going to go all the way down to Texas with some ice, and then up through St. Louis uh, and up north through Indianapolis before going to the Northeast, if you're in the path. Uh, stay safe, be careful, and uh, hopefully everybody makes it through it okay. But it uh, seems like a, a whopper uh, is just going to miss us just south, which is fine with me. Uh, I'm probably just going to board the Cantlay train. I mean, I just there's such a steep drop-off in this field. Um, I, I'm a little more hesitant to trust some of the veterans in the 9K range. I think I'll go overweight on Cantlay and Berger as per my usual um, especially after last week. I know he's a good, great fit for the course, but uh, I won't be trusting Spieth. If he happens to burn me, then uh, that's my usual bias, anti-Spieth bias coming through, and it's my own fault. So don't listen to my opinions on Spieth. Uh, I prefer Berger and Cantlay, but uh, anyone who's watched us for any length of time knew I was going to say that anyway. So 
I think the uh, the bigger discussions come in this 9K range because, you know, Jason Day, nobody would play 7K for him a couple weeks ago. Justin Rose, nobody would pay 7, 7.5K for him a couple weeks ago. Seamus Power had a huge kind of fall swing and has carried that over into the uh, spring season here. Uh, he would have always been, you know, 7K in a field like this. We haven't seen Matt Fitzpatrick in a while. Um, Tringali's form has been a little bit more hit or miss, though he was pretty solid last week. So there's question marks with a lot of these guys in the 9K range, and we have pretty much all of them sans McNeely at, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17% ownership. So nothing outrageous, um, but yet nothing super low on, on this range. Uh, curious on your take, particularly with the old Veterans Day and Rose after last week. Yeah, I'll start with Jason Day. So uh, obviously the course history is great. He's played here seven years in a row, nothing worse than T11, which is pretty crazy. The last five years, T7 or better. So, I mean, he's putting himself in contention even when he's not in good form. And he's obviously coming off of a good finish last week. But his quote uh, afterwards just, uh, I mean, really sticks out. So he says he's got his confidence back. And hopefully he can win five or ten times this year. That's how confident he is right now, which makes no sense because two weeks ago he he just wanted to walk even, the course. He's all good walk. now, though. But I'm buying it. I'm buying the course history. I'm buying the quote, the confidence. Um, I need to see Dash again um, <laughs> on, on the green. So, yeah, I'm in on Jason Day. I like him quite a bit. I uh, love McNeely as well. Um, he kind of fits the – the mold that we're looking for played well last week. Um, he has a fifth and a second here the last two years. He's from California. He does everything well. He's best in this field, strokes game putting on POA over the last two years. So I like him. I don't mind going back to Rose. Uh, Rose has made 10 straight cuts. He's uh, been playing a lot better. He had a chance to get in that playoff if he didn't rinse it on 18. Kringali's been playing well coming off of a third place finish. He had a top 10 here last year. Um, so I think the odd men out for me are going to be Seamus Power and Matt Fitzpatrick. I like Fitz, but he hasn't played in a while. I just want to see him get a start or two under his belt on the PGA Tour. Power, it just seems like he's going to be the most popular guy, and the form's been awesome, but he doesn't have the course history to back it up. So um, I got to be underweight on somebody. It's going to be him. And at the bottom, I also like Strillman. I mean, he plays with Larry Fitzgerald every year. The two are always at the very top of the leaderboard of the Pro-Am. Uh, and he's also got five straight top 14 finishes here. Uh, his form kind of tailed off there towards the end of the spring, uh, swing season, but uh, gained five strokes ball striking last week. So I think he's back coming to an event that he loves. Yeah, that's a, a definite factor with this tournament, you know, who is playing with, you know, who seems to enjoy their Pro-Am partner. Um, you know, that that has some value too. Although I guess nobody would be committing and playing if they didn't enjoy it, but there's some, you know, camaraderie and, uh, you know, momentum that you can build by playing with the same person, particularly if, uh, you know, if your amateur partner's playing well. So I like that call there on Streelman, uh, agree on, uh, on power, probably being underweight on him. I think maybe this is the course that, that might give him a few fits. Um, I don't know on day, you know, it, if I've learned one thing over the years with day, it's that whenever the quotes seem to be positive is when he <laughs> withdraws from a tournament or <laughs> whenever something just goes wrong. And whenever nobody's expecting anything is when he plays well. So um, I, I don't know. I think I'm out uh, at the price and the ownership accelerating, but uh, it does I mean, scare me. It scares if he me. plays 20 events and he wins 
five to ten of them. I mean, you got to get on board. A, yeah, he's a superstar. Um, I don't know. I I, I I wrote in the survey that my hot take is that after every after last week, Day and Rose both missed the cut. But um, I, it's not the super strong take. It's just uh, and I don't know. It's the price and the ownership scares me a bit. But uh, did you talk about McNeely in between those there? Yeah, I love him. Um, checks all the boxes for me. California kid. Good course history, good form. I like him. Yeah, a lot of these California natives tend to play well on Poe's surfaces, and, uh, you know, it's no no secret that he enjoys playing here. So he's my favorite as well. Tagged him up. Uh, pretty much in agreement on most of this range with you outside of being a little more nerve-wracking with Day and, and Rose, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. If, if Day withdraws from the Pro-Am with an illness on Wednesday, we'll know that, uh, or, or I guess – I don't know even know if there is a Wednesday pro-am since this tournament is a pro-am, but uh, if he gets ill on Wednesday, uh, we'll know that the full circle is coming and he's going to play well. Any other thoughts on that range that we missed? I, I don't get the Kevin Kisner 9K thing. Short courses, he always tends to play well, but uh, it hasn't <laughs> been it's as been much here. here though. Yeah. yeah, no, it hasn't been as much here as other places. That's an easy X for me, I think. Same. Looks like your model agrees based on the numbers in our. Yeah, it's like 20, 28th or something. <laughs> yeah, not worth 9K. I'm out on that one as well. Uh, the 8Ks is uh, intriguing because you've got some guys that have popped at various points, um, you know, almost out of nowhere. Like Ryan Palmer hadn't been playing well, but went to a spot last week where he had good course history, played well again. A really strong week for Ryan Palmer. He had, doesn't have the strong history at Pebble, though. Um, Lanto Griffin was just kind of happening last week. He made the cut. He was just kind of there. And then he had the best round of the day on Sunday. Ended up being in my best lineup, which I wasn't really following throughout the week um, because it had a whole bunch of guys that were just kind of middling finishes and then had Lanto and a couple other strong Sunday players on it. So uh, he's there. Uh, Bazutenhout, I know sometimes you like him. Your old boy, Brian Harmon, who, who picked it up a couple weeks ago at 8,600. So it is a weaker field, but uh, we've got maybe some momentum building with some of these, say, 85 to 8,900 plays. you got a favorite in there. I mean, I'm so overweight on the 9K range that I'm likely going to be skipping a lot of these guys. Um, I don't mind Lonto Griffin, like you mentioned. Really good round on Sunday. Sometimes, you know, that can lead to a good week uh, the next week, and he does have a top 10 here in 2020. I mean, I don't know what to do with Harmon. Uh, looked great, but prior to that, he was pretty bad. Doesn't have a ton of course history here. I uh, did make the cut last year. Hoagie, I like him for his upside. I think he's a good tournament play, but he feels overpriced uh, to me. At least, uh, you know, my model thinks he's a little overpriced. Don't know what to do with Palmer. Uh, I think Bazudenhout, I think is a much better course fit for him. Uh, and I think he's made 29 of 30 cuts, um, his last 30 cuts, which is pretty impressive. So he does give you that high floor. But I do want to see guys that have played here before. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have a strong take on uh, anyone in this range. Yeah, I like those guys at, uh, you know, Bazudenhout, Griffin, Palmer. Um, I just think at low or lower ownership, they're, they're interesting for your tournament builds. Um, tagged up Palmer uh, just because I think, you know, last week Palmer was very popular with the course history. Um, that'll have people nervous here, obviously, with the, the connection uh, of course history and, and winners at this event. And he's also, you know, a little more expensive, but um, I, I don't mind it at 10%. Uh, he's one of my favorite kind of tournament plays there 
in that range. Um, and it does get weaker a, a little bit underneath that kind of 87, $8,800 mark. And hesitant to trust Harmon. I'm okay with Hoagie in tournaments, but there isn't another must play in this range. Like Hughes, you know, Mito, McCarthy, Hoffman has withdrawn like the last three times he's been scheduled to play. So I couldn't touch him at all right now, but like, is there anybody else above 8k that even remotely interests you? Mito is interesting. I was very curious to see how he'd play on a really tough track like Tory, Uh, and he played well. Um, the problem I have with him is he's gained 12 strokes putting in his last five events. And that's just not something that I think is going to be long-term uh, for him. So I don't, I don't know. I'm okay with him. I'm okay without him. I think Charlie Hoffman is one of the more intriguing tournament plays. Uh, as long as he tees it up, you know, he withdrew last week with a back injury. But if you look at his long-term stats, I mean, fourth in this field in strokes gained approach over the last year, second in proximity numbers. So he's very good with his wedges. And he had a top 10 here last year. So it looks like he's got to be going to be 2% owned. Um, if he was completely healthy and if he would have, you know, made the cut last week, he'd be, you know, a lot more, more owned than this. So I think Hoffman's an interesting tournament play. Uh, I'll probably pass on Hughes, McCarthy, and Jones. Yeah, we got to keep an eye on the field, keep an eye on the tee times if you're going to play Hoffman because he has been early withdraw. Uh, at each of the last three times he's been scheduled to play, even dating back to November, I think, with the third one. So uh, just be careful. I do agree with that there's upside there, certainly, if he tees it up and he's healthy. Uh, but uh, you'll want to keep your ears peeled to the news before tee times lock. Otherwise, I have no interest in anybody else above 8K. Uh, I, I think the kind of upper end of the 7K range is just as exciting, relatively speaking. Um Aaron Rye is a guy I dove into a little bit and, and looked at, and uh, he finished the fall swing pretty strong. And so that had a lot of people, you know, building him up, hyping him up, heading to the, I think it was the Sony, uh, the first event that he played this year, and he missed the cut. And then he finished like 57th the week after that. So everyone was back off him again. And then there he was in the mix last week. Um, I also had a bet on Justin Rose as the top golfer from great britain and you know and ireland and that didn't work because aaron rye beat him by one stroke when justin rose went in the water on 18 so um seems like people are starting to hop back aboard uh, this is a talented golfer so i don't mind doing that in, in a weaker field still only at 10 percent. it's not like he's outrageous you're gonna see pretty diverse ownership i think not a lot of mega chalk in this 7k range we don't have anybody projected right now uh, above I think 13% the rest of the way uh, we got a few guys in the low teens but nobody above 13% the rest of the way the only guy we've got that high is Kucher Russell Knox is fairly close uh, again these guys that tend to thrive on shorter courses are going to be the ones that pop a little bit here so your thoughts on the upper end of the 7k range I like that Aaron Ryan call. It is a little weird seeing him with two gloves, uh, two rain gloves, too. Um, it just looks a little weird out there. But, uh, yeah, he's getting the job done. Really good ball striker on the European tour. So I like that call. Um, I think Lucas Glover is certainly interesting. Really good ball striker as well. Um, does have a top 10 here. He's been in pretty good form. I think he gained over nine strokes on approach uh, at the Sony a few weeks back. So he makes a lot of sense. He's actually a much better putter on POA than he is on the other surfaces. You always got to bring up uh, Russell Knox anytime we get these shorter courses. He's got some good course history. And then, I mean, I don't love anyone else 7,500 or up. 
Uh, we could talk about Min Woo Lee. Uh, he's a top 50 golfer in the world. He's been great over on the, the European tour or the, the DP world tour, whatever it's called now. Um, I think he has four top tens in his last six starts. So coming in with some good form. He did play here last year. Um, he missed the cut, but at least he's seen the course. I kind of like that a little bit. And uh, I, I can't imagine anybody's going to be on him. Chris Kirk's better on short courses. Um, Putnam's getting some love as an outright bet. I, I get it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel great about anyone else. Do you? As we mentioned, the field is not that great for this tournament, and this is where that kind of starts to to get exposed a little bit. Uh, it's just it's just pretty ugly uh, once you get below the eight thousand dollar range. So uh, yeah, I don't love a lot in here as well. I think Minwoo Lee is intriguing for tournaments, and but he's going to gain a little bit of steam too. So it's not like you're going to get two to three percent ownership on him. Worth a flyer just because the field strength is so bad. Um, that uh, I don't mind taking a shot on the, uh, the the talent at that price. You know, the other guy, I'm, I'm skipping down a little bit here, but the other guy in that vein that I tagged up is Burmeister, uh, who hasn't played a non-major PGA Tour sanctioned event since 2016. And he got a sponsor's exemption for this tournament. I mean, he generally plays in the majors and plays on the Euro Tour, uh, but he's a really good golfer and he's 7,200. So, you know, I can take a shot on the talent that compared to his peers in this price range, um, he's a better golfer. So he's the guy I tagged up there kind of in the same uh, talking discussion as Min Woo Lee, but uh, in you, the 72 to $7,500 range has some, some guys that are worth talking about. Do you know if he uh, played here when they had the U S open? What year was that? I think it was 2020. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, other guys in the seven lower 7K, I like Ches Reeby. Um, he's one of the better iron players in the field, typically an, a very accurate driver of the ball. He's gained 20 strokes on approach in his last eight starts, so I think he makes a lot of sense. Uh, love Naismith this week. Finally showing some form. Uh, he's accurate off the tee. He fits the, the narrative of having a top 16 finish at this event. He's 16th and 11th the last two years. And he's just lights out with his irons. He's fourth in this field in proximity, uh, sixth in approach. Um, I actually bet him outright at 100 to 1. So would love to see that hit. Don't mind Pat Perez. I think he's going to be a pretty popular value play. But uh, he had the best uh, yeah. you know, field strength adjusted course history of anybody in the field on day to golf. So I thought that was interesting. And then Perez also, he always plays well on bumpy greens. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. it. Always yeah. by the water. Uh, these, yeah. these coastal tracks um, past palum courses and stuff he tends to play well it's really weird and then sneds we got to talk about sneds so burned a lot of people last week who were chasing the, the tory narrative um he's won here twice he had decent form before the miscut last week he had a t14 t36 his last two times out i think i'm gonna go back what about you yeah i don't mind him uh, i think it's an interesting like top five top ten bet too um i mean i, I don't think you gotta make him a core pc or gpp builds or anything like that but yeah, I don't mind him at that salary. It's not like he's any worse than some of the guys that are priced in the 8Ks. Um, I mean, even somebody like Digala played well last week. I think he's intriguing for tournaments. You mentioned Perez. I tagged him as well. Um, Snedeker, good good conversation on him. I, I think that's worth a peek. Uh, Burmeister did not play in the 2019 U.S. Open here, for what it's worth. Okay. And then uh, a couple other names. I like uh... – 
Troy Merritt, uh, he's got some good course history here. He's one of those guys that he either misses the cut or finishes top 40. I think it's been 13 straight events uh, with him. He's just very boomer bust. He's a streaky putter, streaky with his irons. And uh, the fact that he's played well here in the past, I like that. And then Brandon Harkins won on the Corn Ferry Tour last week. Um, and it ended on, what's that? I said, there's a name. He was yeah. like a thing for a while. Yeah, so it ended on Saturday. So he has that extra day of rest. And uh, he's a California kid. He's played here twice, 28th and 15th. So maybe the head, the wind just, you know, um, you know, he kind of enjoys it for a while and he, he tells off or maybe he, you know, plays off that form and keeps it going at a course that uh, he knows pretty well. So I don't mind uh, some Harkins and GPPs. I hadn't looked at him yet. Was the 28th and the 15th and the PGA Tour events here or some something else? Yeah, uh, 2019 and 18. I didn't realize he had played here twice. And that's been four years. We have his floor in lineup HQ of negative points. The model does not like uh, Harkins. Uh, yeah, my model doesn't either, but. Um... <laughs> I like it. He was a name for a while, California. I mean, the people with the, the golfers with experience on these types of courses in California, they do tend to play better here. I think you can give them a small bump. So I don't mind that. Yeah, I think your first win on the Corn Ferry Tour is different from your first win on the, the PJ Tour in that, like, you, you're still motivated after it. You're not, like, just resting because you have your life set for the next two years because he's still grinding for, for a card. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the PGA Tour win is the life changer for sure. Uh, not that we're saying he's going to win this tournament by any means, but uh, it could be a, a sneaky source of value at low ownership. So, um, question got some on Kucher. Nick any... Taylor as well. Yeah. Nick Taylor and Kucher. Yeah. yeah, I kind of feel the same. I, I don't know. It's just like this tournament is so kind of random with the Pro-Am format that it's one of those where, like, it's one of those weeks where you can probably just fade the chalkiest value and get away with it. And Kucher, as I mentioned earlier, he's like the highest guy we have projected owned above or under 8K. And, I mean, this was a guy that we were, we were constantly talking about how it was like a couple of years since he had had a top 10 before he finally got one. Um, and now – He's gaining steam. I, I don't know. I think I'm off Kucher. I just don't. I think the odds of the fading Kucher breaking your week are pretty small. Yeah. And if I, I don't think he's played great here in the past either. You would think this would be one of his courses, but um, let me check. So yeah, miscut 62nd, 22nd, 38th. Yeah. Nothing to write home about there for sure. So I think I'm off Kucher. I mean, I, I get it if you want to play him in cash games, but. Um, let's see, Nick Taylor, Grayson Sig, uh, Bramlett, who ended up being last week's popular value play. Those are the other guys that are above 7K that have some ownership. Any interest in those guys who are fading them? No interest for me. I think I'm going to be off of all the, the big Corn Ferry Tour graduates um, that we've been targeting a lot during the swing season. Just none of them have played here before. And I don't know, it just seems like we have such a small sample on them that we don't really know what type of golfers they are so i'll just take a wait and see approach with those guys sure yeah i don't mind that as well and didn't have any of them standing out specifically as guys that uh, that i wanted to target this week either so all right under 7k good luck um it's really brutal under 7k this week i don't think you want to be targeting a lot of guys down here um i took a peek at ekro i took a peek at hubbard um, I think I, I, I took a peek at Stewart, who's like two for his last 10, making the cut. Um, I forget who I ended up writing up now. I'm going to have to go look at it. It's just so brutal down here. I know I ended up putting one guy in my article, but, 
Uh, it's not like it was this guy I absolutely loved. And now I've got to find it before I forget it again. Oh, Armour was the one I ended up writing up, but I don't really love him either. He's just a plotter that tends to make the cut. He's 11th right now and approaches from 125 to 150, which is a common range here. So, um, you know, he's got some history here, at least plays here every year and had some okay finishes. So whatever, it's ugly under 7K. You have anybody that looks amazing to you. Yeah, it's pretty ugly. Uh, the model does like Hubbard and Necro. So uh, I agree with those. Necro's never played here before, but Hubbard, he's played here a few times. Uh, very good putter on POA. Um, the guy that the model loves, who, I mean, he's been popping up the last few weeks is James Hahn. He plays here every year. He's got, you know, pretty mixed course history. I think he's missed his last three cuts and he's missed his last two cuts uh, on tour, but uh, he has gained 4.4 strokes on approach his last two times out. So the irons have been good. He just hasn't been able to uh, make the cut. I think he's missed it by one and two uh, strokes his last time out. 6,700, 1%. I'll have a little bit of him, but um, for the most part, yeah, it's pretty ugly. Yeah, there's just there's just not a lot of screaming under 7K value. There's a lot of options that we kind of went through between 7K and 7,500. That's probably, you know, you end up rounding out your lineup with maybe two of those guys. That feels better than trying to chase a lot of the sub 7K value this week. Now, that said, uh, this is another tournament where we don't get the cut until after the third round. So, you know, the boomer bust lineups do have some appeal if you can find somebody that makes the cut under 7K and the cut, you know, is only top 60 in ties is two. So it, it stands to reason we're not going to have a huge percentage of six of six lineups this week and you're only getting one round after the cut. So um, that is the logic behind maybe doing it. It's just tough to find guys that stand out statistically in that kind of sub 7K range. What about what about Adam Svensson? We talked about him last week. He Man, made the he cut. bogeyed like every <laughs> hole on the weekend. <laughs> I bet I and played him some last week. <laughs> he made the cut on oh. the number and then bogeyed everything on the weekend. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he finished dead last. Yeah, negative, negative 13 strokes total. That's not good. I've got to I, I got to find the hang on. I got to pull up the stats again. Um, this is only with three three measured rounds. Keep in mind. Uh, but uh, Svensson was uh, minus 10 and a half strokes tee to green in three measured rounds on the South course. Uh, can't do it. Nope. Nope. Plus 10. <laughs> I played him last week. He helped your six of six though. Yeah. yeah that's about <laughs> all he did. Uh, he helped the six of six percentage and, uh, and that's about it. Uh, Aaron wise did not help the six of six percentage. Uh, a lot of other guys found the water for Noto on Sunday. We talked about that being the only water hazard on the course, and everybody found it. Uh, they were they were missing out on, on yeah, finding we, these hazards. We joked last week that Ryan Palmer in the second round would have have that uh, and to make or miss the cut, and uh, he ended up doing it on Sunday to, to decide it. So decided to do it on Saturday instead. Or Saturday. Noto's days are still backwards, but that's okay. I was backwards last week too. Every day I woke up, I just woke thought it was the next day. It was wild. <laughs> Noto was watching the golf and he was ready for the football to start uh, right after. Um, thankfully, that they shouldn't mess with the schedule too much here over the next few weeks. And uh, the schedule will uh, will become uh, more appealing from a discussion standpoint here the next few weeks as we tend to get uh, some stronger field events here once we get through the last of these multi-course pro-am tournaments. The, uh, the tournaments also tend to have some bigger purses 
uh, once we, we, we move into later February and, and head into March. So uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open next week, followed by the Genesis at uh, Riviera and the Honda Classic uh, to round out the month of February. So three pretty prominent events. Uh, which generally tend to attract some some stronger fields. So should be a lot of fun the next few weeks. Uh, also, don't forget to check out our uh, sponsor, Prize Picks, PrizePicks.com, or you can download their app. They've got all sorts of uh, you can do fantasy scoring, you can do birdies are better, uh, you can do you know long longest drive, fairways hit, greens and regulation, all sorts of different stuff they've got over there on Prize Picks now. I uh, don't believe before the show that they had anything up yet for this week, but they usually do get those up on Tuesday nights uh, and you can do plenty of other sports on prize picks as well. So download their app promo code grinders with your first deposit for a hundred percent bonus up to a hundred bucks. And uh, that's pretty much going to do it from my end. You got anything else before we get out of here? No, nah, just uh, join our discord. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we got separate channels for every single sport and uh, DMS are always open. If you ever have any questions. Absolutely. I uh, love watching. I uh, love having you guys hanging out with us, watching the show. And uh, and those of you that watch us afterwards as well, happy to, to provide the uh, content on demand since you can build lineups anytime up till Thursday morning. So that's going to do it for us this week. As always, thanks for watching for Noto and our producer, Steve, working hard for us behind the scenes. Appreciate that as well on a Tuesday night. I'm Justin. Have a great rest of your week, everybody, and good luck as you build your golf lineups. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, to break down the Waste Management Phoenix Open. See you then.